I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thank you for listening to Your Working Life, my podcast series featuring thought leaders in the career and personal growth arena. You spend a significant portion of your life at work. So my goal is to provide you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. And I am delighted to welcome my very special guest to the show today, Dr. Victor Victor Strecker. Vic, welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much, Caroline. I'm really uh, looking forward to this. And I want to tell our listening audience all about you. Victor Strecker is a professor at the University of Michigan School of Public Health. He's published over 100 articles in scientific journals, including the Journal of American Medical Association, the American Journal of Preventive Medicine, and Nature Neuroscience, and co-edited the book Oncology, an evidence-based approach. Dr. Strecker lives in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So Vic, let's launch right in. You've got a beautiful new book called Life on Purpose, How Living for What Matters Most Changes Everything. So what prompted you to write this book? (laughs) Well, um, I think above all, I've had a long-term interest. Over 35 years, I've been doing research on how to help people change their lives. And so I have worked with the internet, with coaches, with clinicians, helping people uh, better counsel patients and counsel people in the public to improve their lives, whether it's to quit smoking or to manage stress or to lose weight or manage weight, uh, get mammography, whatever it is. And I kept always being bothered by this idea that we're just not getting deep enough, that we're not hitting the core of a person. And this is um, getting more on the personal side of my life, but five years ago, my daughter Julia passed away. And she was a heart transplant recipient. She was one of the first children to get a new heart. She was born healthy, and six months into her life, when she was just a little baby, she caught a chickenpox virus, which typically causes a rash and a fever for a day or two. Uh, this chickenpox virus attacked her heart and it destroyed her heart completely. When that happened, my life changed, and we started thinking about how to live a life more fully, especially her life, and that kind of crossed to us. When she was 19 years old, she she died very suddenly, and that was five years ago, and when that happened, I went into, of course, not just grief, but despondency, depression. And I thought about myself thinking, for 35 years I've helped people make changes in their lives. If I can't help myself, what good am I? I really needed to figure out how to do that. And that led me to writing this book. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm so grateful that you're willing to share that personal part of your life that I know will will empower others. So let's talk about the medical health benefits of having purpose and why does having a strong purpose in life perhaps protect us from some illnesses? Yeah. Well, maybe if I if you don't mind, Caroline, I'd love to first mention what I think 
purpose means because a, a lot of people just are confused by that they think oh do i have to sit in a cave and meditate in northern india for six months and i it's is this purpose given to me by some higher power all I, ref I, I want to almost despiritualize the concept of purpose a little bit. What it really means is thinking more carefully about your deepest values. What do you care about the most? Is it your family, your spouse, your children, your grandchildren, your parents, your friends? Uh, is, it, is it your community? Do you value kindness? Do you value security? Do you value tradition? Do you value being super attractive or rich or whatever those values are? Having a purpose means that you put a goal around that purpose or those purpose uh, around those values. So having a purpose means that you put a goal around the values that you care about most deeply. Now some purposes are very hedonistic and very self-focused and other purposes are very self-transcending and we can talk about that a bit later but all I want to say here about purpose is that it's a value or set of values that you deeply care about that you've attached a goal to. I'll give you an example. Uh, my work purpose is based on the value that I have for my students. I really value my students a great deal and so I thought a good purpose at work would be to teach every one of my students as if they're my own daughter, Julia. And that really gives me a lot of energy. It gives me you know, vitality. It also, I, I know that I need self-control. Uh, I need to be in control of my life. I need energy in order to teach every one of my students as if they're my own daughter because I have over 250 students. So I sleep, try to sleep better every day as well as I can. I meditate every day. So I try to become more present. I try to walk to work whenever possible. I walked an hour to work today and I'll walk an hour home. Uh, and I try to be creative every day. I try to eat well every day. But I don't do it to avoid disease or avoid dying. I do it because I have a purpose. And it turns out that people who have purpose live longer. People who have a purpose are far less likely to develop heart disease and stroke. People who are seniors who have just retired, who have a purpose in their lives or are able to repurpose their lives, are 2.4 times less likely to develop Alzheimer's disease. And, and this is statistically controlling for age, race, gender, education, income, health status, and health behaviors. So I could go on and on about purpose. People with purpose are half as likely 10 years later to develop depression. People with purpose even have better sex. So, I mean, if you read, imagine this as a pill, you know, and the pill came out and said, this new pill, it's called the purpose pill. It helps you live longer, it repairs your DNA, it gives you greater antibody production when attacked with stressors. Uh, it reduces your risk of heart disease and stroke and depression. Uh, and what are the side effects? Oh, yeah, better sex and more friends. Not bad. Right? <laughs> Everyone is going to say, how about it? I, I'm so appreciative that you defined the difference between purpose and meaning. And I just want to share a thought because in the career development world, as a coach, I talk to so many people about their values and how values yeah. drive satisfaction in life and career. And in the career development world, you know, looking through that lens, it's clear that values also change throughout our life. And 
yes. what you shared so so poignantly about your daughter is it fair to say that your values have shifted and changed oh yes and thank you for asking that caroline because you know my students have different values than i do they have different purposes uh, then they'll graduate and get a job and then that will give them a new purpose and then they might get married that will give them a new purpose uh, they might have children again new purpose uh, later on they make uh, their children may leave home uh, they may get um, you know advance in their career and do some very important things again new purpose then they retire they have to repurpose their lives at each of these stages. So, yeah, purpose isn't a fixed thing throughout your life. Again, it is a goal or set of goals that you deeply value. So let's dive a little deeper into the nomenclature of purpose. So is it eudaimonic? Am I pronouncing this correctly? And hedonistic yeah. purpose? <laughs> yeah. Well, Aristotle actually talked about the importance of living in accordance with your inner diamond. Your diamond, often uh, uh, pronounced daemon, is uh, it's spelled D-A-I-M-O-N. By the way, it's your inner self. It's your true self. And Socrates, who is essentially like a street philosopher, basically, you know, when when he is asked by somebody on the street something that he needed to think carefully about, he said, "Well, let me consult my inner diamond." So he'd go off into an alley and come back an hour later, and he would then be speaking from his true self. And Aristotle said, you have to live in accordance with this true self. And then he asked this big fundamental question, what is happiness? And how do we become happy? And he said, most of us think to become happy, we need more things, uh, or we need greater pleasure. And he said, that's fine. And that would is what we'd call hedonism. So hedonic pleasure or hedonism is uh, really focused on you. It's having more things, it's being more attractive, it's having more money. And he said, all of those things are fine. We all love good food. We love, you know, the pleasures of life. But if that's all we love, he said, we're like grazing animals. He used that term. It's just like we're like grazing animals. And we all like to graze, of course. But most of us think that there's probably something more to a well-run life, a well-managed life, than just pure hedonic happiness. And he said, that is what's really important. It's being in touch with this true self, this inner diamond, and what he called eudaimonic well-being. And this is where we're starting to think about transcending ourselves. What are the things that are more important than us? Maybe it's our community, our family, some of the people we work with, some of the things we work for. I'll give you an example. We worked with um, uh, people who are custodians at the University of Michigan Hospital and asked, asked them, do you have a purpose in your life and at work? But half of them said, yeah, it's to make money, and that's it, and I don't make a lot. And we knew that, said fine. And the other group said, I am part of the medical team. I And you know, when asked why, they said, okay, well, there's a woman who's been in a coma for three months. I put a fresh flower in front of her face every morning, just in case if she ever wakes up, the first thing she'll see is something beautiful. When Julia was in the hospital at, um, at the University of Michigan, we noticed so many people, custodians, would be sitting there on the bed reading a book to a child because those parents never showed up for that child. 
you know, there might be a child who has significant, you know, severe cancer, and nobody's there to see that child, except the custodian who will sit down and read stories at night. They're part of the medical team. Don't you think that that person lives a bigger life, is loved by their patients, feels part of the medical team, uh, is happier with their life, probably doesn't take as much work off. In fact, loves working, loves getting to work because it's important to them, and overall has a bigger life. That's eudaimonic well-being. Oh, what a beautiful illustration. Vic, thank you for that. That's just really powerful. So let's take it a step further. You know, there, there's a pervasive idea that people are inherently selfish, but you present in the book studies showing that we're really hardwired to be empathetic and altruistic. So take that a step further and explain that, if you would, please. Yeah, sure. You know, so many people... Uh, Will, will tell me that you know their that their children, if they're not raised in a certain way, will be since they're inherently selfish or inherently sinful, uh, need to have that beaten out of them in some way or trained out of them. And yet studies show that bonobos, chimpanzees, who we evolved from, chimpanzees, apes, elephants, uh, dolphins, even rats, show empathic behavior show kindness. Uh, so this doesn't seem to be um, something that we were just, you know, that has to be trained in us. It's, it seems to be something we're actually born with. In fact, young children before the age of 13 months will reach and grab toys to help another person, a little baby who cannot grab them. Uh, they'll, they've shown empathic behavior. So in other words, what we may be doing is training that out of them, that, that wonderful beauty that exists at birth and uh, is part of our evolutionary heritage, uh, that we are actually inherently kind and inherently giving, inherently empathic, inherently self-transcendent. Um, so this idea that we're born sinful is something that I, I quite honestly disagree with. It, do, it doesn't fit the facts of biology. So let's talk about greater meaning in our existence. And do you believe that it's important to have um, a relationship with a higher power, whether we're calling it religion or spirituality, in order to have a self-transcending purpose? Well, I'm, I'm very agnostic about that, to be honest, Caroline. Uh, and this is just my own um, belief system. I really am completely fine with other belief systems. In fact, I think that religion provides um, a very strong set of guidelines that include core values that, in general, are very positive core values, helping other people do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Um, those are, are very positive core values that, when we set goals to, produce very strong purposes and happier people. So religion provides that. Now, in the 1800s, uh, people like Friedrich Nietzsche and others said, you know what, um, as we start losing religion, as we modernize more, we're going to run into trouble. Uh, we're going to start losing those core values. And as we do lose our core values, we're going to have to start coming up with our own values. We're going to have to start finding 
you know, after a while, that we need to create those values. We need to create our own purposes because we no longer have a cookbook of values. And he worried about that. As did Emil Durkheim, one of the first sociologists. Now, by the way, both Emil Durkheim and Friedrich Nietzsche were atheists. They didn't believe in God, but that we can put that aside and just say, well, the fact of the matter is people have become less religious. Um, and as they become less religious, what do we do in its stead? Uh, can we still have purpose? And I would say we absolutely can still have purpose. So Vic, you speak so eloquently in the book about the reciprocal nature of purpose, energy, and willpower. So help me understand, does having a strong purpose increase one's energy? Yes, it does. So when a person becomes more purposeful, it's almost like a generator of energy. It, it's wonderful. But at the same time, in order to be aligned with my purpose, and Aristotle said, it's not just about having purpose, it's about being aligned with your purpose every day. So if I want to teach my, my students as if they're my own daughter, or be an engaged husband and father, and be an engaged son to my parents, uh, to, you know, to help other people find purpose, I need energy every single day, and I need willpower or self-control every single day. Those are two things. I like to view your body as a boat. And that boat needs wind in its sails. But Seneca, 2,000 years ago, Stoic, uh, ancient Stoic philosopher, said it doesn't matter how much wind is in your sails if you don't have a harbor. You have to have a purpose, in other words. But that boat, to steer toward that harbor, also needs a rudder. It needs willpower. So I need self-control. I need vitality or energy. And in other words, wind in my sails and a rudder. But I have to have a harbor. If I have those three things... I would call myself happy. Beautifully put, beautifully put. So resilience is a trending topic, certainly in the career development world as well. Uh, yes. Recovering, right, from failure, setbacks. So what is the relationship between purpose and resilience, Vic? Well, it turns out that people who have uh, gone through as soldiers in the Gulf War, or people who have gone through major earthquakes, or through major illnesses, who have purpose or who can repurpose their lives end up not only being less likely to suffer from post-traumatic stress, but more likely to enhance their lives with post-traumatic growth. They learn from uh, these difficult situations and not just learn, they grow as human beings. They become better, richer human beings. These people will tell us I am now a better person. I'm now a happier person than I was before. Not happiness in the sense of hedonically happy, but happy in the sense of being in greater touch with my inner diamond, my true self. And I think that's very special. People who have gone through cancer, I was uh, the associate director of our cancer center at the University of Michigan for 15 years. I saw hundreds of people going through cancer treatment and you'd see some people making major changes in their lives. And if they survive the cancer, they become richer, more full people for that. You know, in, in my travels now, I've given a couple of hundred talks around the world about purpose in life. In almost every one of those, people come up afterwards and they'll tell me, yeah, I lost a child myself. And, you know, tears will come up, we'll have a hug, and they'll turn to you and go, but, you know, I'm a different person and I feel like I'm better 
and I don't understand that. I feel like I'm living a richer life. And sometimes the wisest people in our society are those who have gone to that edge, that edge of almost dying, that crossroads where they had a choice in their lives, where they could have shrunk up and died, or they had to change their life. And when they change their life, part of changing their life means getting a new purpose in their life. Vic, what an honor and a joy to have you on the show. I know that my life is better after having spoken with you today, and I've really enjoyed your book, Life on Purpose, How Living for What Matters Most Changes Everything. So Vic, tell us how we can buy the book and, and follow you online. You've got a great website as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, if you follow VicStrecker.com, you can follow me. Uh, that's V-I-C-S-T-R-E-C-H-E-R.com. Uh, you, can, you can follow me very easily. Um, and you can get my book on Amazon. Uh, you can get it at Barnes, Barnes & Noble stores very easily. And uh, we've really been pushing this to many of the independent bookstores as well. So uh, we're, we're so pleased the book is doing well. And uh, I'm just very gratified by that. And I'm very, very grateful for you, Caroline, uh, to have read the book so carefully as you clearly have and uh, had this wonderful conversation. Thank you. Well, I thank you, Vic, and I wish you continued success, and I truly am grateful for your wisdom. I am actually sharing the book with several friends and family members in my network, and I know the millions of people listening will also benefit greatly. So cheers to you. Thank you so much. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in to Your Working Life, where my goal is to help you design your career destiny so it doesn't happen by default. Career and life satisfaction is possible, and it's time to embrace what you love doing so you can do more of it. My show is now available on iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, and Stitcher. Leave a comment, because I always appreciate hearing from my listeners. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Take good care.